0: Hi, this is Amrita Sukumar and I'm bringing to you this podcast called Unsettling. Look around you, everyone is trying to create their own story. Make a tiny change in someone's life by just following their passion and in turn inspiring the others to follow suit. This podcast brings to you stories of people who have defied the definition of settled set by the society and have created their own. They have found happiness in their version of settling. Hello listeners, welcome to another episode of Unsettling. I hope you are having a great time listening to the other episodes. Uh, So today we have a little bit of a surprise and um, you must have heard, right? There are a lot of people who tell you exactly what your personality is on the basis of how you walk and talk and deal with things. But did you know that an expert can actually tell what is going on in your mind by just looking at your handwriting? I was really intrigued by this sign so I called upon today a graphologist, Ms. Namita Joshi who will be telling us more about this. Hi Namita! Hi! How are you? I'm awesome as usual. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Next year, right? Good, good. I'm getting used to the lockdown liking it actually. <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> I was always used to this. So I'm I'm not feeling the yeah. difference, you know. That was just just at home. Yeah, the only yeah. thing I used to do is maybe go exercise uh yeah. outside, which I don't anymore. <laughs> 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 yeah. So Namita, can you tell uh, the listeners yes, a little yes. about yourself? What you do? When? Um Right. So, well, as you mentioned, I'm a graphologist and uh, I run a training center called Atman Training Center for Graphology. And uh, our most uh, most basic and largest part of our services, of course, is uh, training. So we offer batches in graphology, which is a skill set that you learn, obviously. So we have them you know, spaced out over uh, first level to fourth level. So you go from beginners to advanced, super advanced, etc. Okay. and then there's also consultancy cases that come in uh, counseling that is offered so my teammates do the counseling cases as in clinical counseling and i do career counseling and mm-hmm. consultancy cases come up when maybe say companies want some kind of uh, consultancy on maybe fraud cases or oh. espionage cases or those kind of things so yeah all kinds of consultancy comes in sometimes wow that's really interesting huh so uh, what is graphology exactly Hmm. yeah this is I think the most important question because uh, most commonly of course people have heard of it as handwriting analysis so that's the common term that you know everyone has heard Mm -hmm. and there's a big debate about whether it's a science or an art and it's a very very contentious issue so I actually like to call it a psychometric tool because it really is one and Mm -hmm. It is used in a lot of, uh, you know, legit sectors also as a corporate tool. So, let's say corporate sectors will use it for HR during recruitment or say uh, leadership promotion sometimes. And it's commonly used in, uh, you know, a lot of ca- European countries also. Like France uses it a lot. US uses it a lot also. Okay. You know, European countries, you have Germany, France using it. And then you have it in US also. And uh, even in India, you have some uh, smaller companies that do use it. Uh, In fact, back in the day, even uh, Tata's used to use it, Tata companies have used a graphologist back in the day, even our defense uh, screening does use it sometimes. So yeah, it just depends on how open they want to be about it. And it's one of those tools, which you use alongside other tools, you know, it's not the only one. So it cannot be the only thing to give out information about a person. So I would call it a psychometric tool. Okay, so uh, assuming that I give you a paragraph to read, on what basis do you analyze the person's handwriting? Like, what are the key points that you look for? Right. So ideally, of course, uh, you know, when we get handwriting. Now, of course, if you're actually asking someone for handwriting, then we would say minimum one page because okay, minimum of course if there is more yeah because there's more for us to work with and that obviously affects the accuracy also so if it's just mm-hmm. one line written then i've got less data to work with basically. but in an ideal ideal scenario like you would want someone to write two pages and the reason for that is you know when you're writing on the first page you get very conscious that oh let me control this let me control that okay. and you okay. get very conscious and if you just try to recall your examination uh, time you know in college mm-hmm. you know and by the time you're towards the end of the paper, your handwriting on the last supplement. <laughs> yeah. So your handwriting on the last page is always very different, you know, and you can't control your handwriting beyond a point because your subconscious mind takes over. Mm-hmm. So on the second page, third page, you know, the more number of pages you write, you're... Real personality will come out in the sense of uh, your subconscious mind playing out, and in that sense, actually, it's a strong psychometric tool because you can't really manipulate your answers there. Unlike you know other psychometric tools, which are maybe open-ended question and answers or you know uh, tick mark and answer etc., where you can easily you know manipulate your answers. So in that sense, graphology sort of has an advantage because you can't really control your uh, responses unless, of course, you are in the exception category, which is. Something we'll not go into right now. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who's like literally trained into yeah, getting everything. Yeah, that, everything. Would, yeah, that would require some, a different level of uh, mind control, right? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it says a lot about the person also. I mean, if you do find something like that, uh, well, first of all, in the first go, you'll never be able to say whether that handwriting is real or not because you need to do it on a comparative basis. I mean, if you've seen someone's writing earlier then. On a comparative note, you know that, oh, this is not exactly the same kind of handwriting as before. But if oh you met the person on the first instance, there's no way you can tell, right? Whether it's, you know, faked handwriting or this or that. So, either ways, you know, the funny bit is that even when you fake your handwriting, so let's say if I fake my handwriting and I create a second kind of handwriting and mm-hmm. I get that one analyzed, even the second kind of handwriting that is analyzed does give out a very accurate, uh, you know, analysis of me as a person. Because there will be some aspects overlapping in the personality. It's just that the manifestation would come out differently. But, they're not so far away from each other. You know, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, this is actually very interesting. But, I want to know, how did you develop interest in graphology? I mean, even I would Ah. after listening to all this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, it is a curious subject anyway. But, uh, so, my... Love affair, I would call it, with graphology began when I was 15, 16. So what had okay. happened was we finished uh, board exams, right? And uh, our family decided to go to this resort-like place for, uh, you know, a day picnic. Mm-hmm. They have all these uh, stalls out there, na, Mehendi stall, T-shirt printing stall, okay. painting stall. So, usme ye bhi ek stall tha. And
1: mm-hmm. I was
0: just like, I read the uh, poster and I was like, really. Can tell stuff from the writing. I got really curious, and my dad was also curious. So we both uh-huh. went to the stall, and we got our writings analyzed. And it was uh, quite <laughs> fascinating. Like I was pretty stumped because they told me stuff I would never thought they would know. Like they couldn't possibly know stuff about you know my family lineage and stuff. Like, oh! How did that? Wow! How did that come out in my writing? I was super curious and. 8th grade onwards itself, I had announced to my parents that, listen, don't bother me. I'm going to go for arts. I want to study psychology. So, I'd made up my mind long ago that I wanted to study psychology. So, I just told my dad, this is very interesting. I want to join this course. And mm-hmm. anyway, it's it's a long time until, you know, results come out and college admissions begin 11th standard and all. Mm-hmm. So, this this course started way before college began. That's <laughs> how <laughs> so I started doing it. And yeah, I, I don't think I ever looked back after that because it was... Uh, life changing for me nice so uh, is uh, graphology and psychology like interrelated and how are they interrelated oh yes a big one that is actually and I'm so glad you have asked this question because it's the biggest gap in India I would say Mm -hmm. so what happens is you notice a lot of graphology being practiced in India I would say 90% of it is done on a very commercial basis Mm -hmm. and there is no background of psychology for these practitioners which is a very big issue so this is something i went through myself because i started learning it in india Mm -hmm. and i was doing my undergraduate studies in psychology as planned so Mm -hmm. there were a lot of you know why questions that i would have and i was just not getting answers for them because if you're studying human behavior and if i'm studying psychology in college i would try to you know link certain things in my mind but i wasn't getting the answers so it was a, you know, very big problem area for me in my mind. And then when I went to UK for my masters, I did graphology there too. And it was a big shock because I had to unlearn everything out there <laughs> and then relearn stuff because their approach was completely different. It was all well, the training, first of all is first, you know, it's, it's based on psychology, okay. the whole curriculum. Cause let's say if I'm trying to say that this particular stroke of the writing means this. But mm-hmm. what is the, what is the backing for it? What is the psychological premise for it? It has to be connected to some established psychological theory or, you know, uh, concept at least. Mm-hmm. And so I had to like unlearn a lot of the stuff I did and then tweak it, modify it in my head and <laughs> relearn a lot of the stuff. And the other thing they do very, very importantly is ethics, you know, their focus on ethics. Mm-hmm. So. That was again a big shocking point for me because in India, the way it is practiced is, you know, it's quick fix solution, crash courses uh, okay. you know, they'll teach you, they'll teach you stuff in like one or two weeks and they'll charge you a bombshell for it. Let's make no mistake about that. that it's true. <laughs> crazy amounts of money and it's quick certifications. So you, you know, learn quickly, get a certificate quickly and then you start practicing and, you know, charging quickly, which is, yeah very uh, problematic and dangerous of that sort. So if I have to learn about human behavior, it is not possible for me to do that without psychology. (laughs) So it's very dangerous to do it without it. And that's how it's been going on in India, which is a problem. So if I'm going to train in, uh, you know, graphology and not learn psychology, that's like saying I want to become a doctor, but I don't want to study biology or human anatomy. It's like What the hell, that doesn't make any sense, you know. I wouldn't trust a doctor of that sort, would you? (laughs) Yeah, 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 I I get what you mean. Uh, Because um, I actually have this query because I have done a little bit of graphology. I don't remember. It was a crash course or something. Um, So (laughs) it was in college. It was a three-day thing and I I was a part of it. So if someone is angry, they tend to press and write. Right? They put a lot of pressure on the pen, and hence it imprints <laughs> right. on the other side of the page. Okay. Is that a true thing? Like they, they just gave us visual cues as to how to figure out if someone is angry or something like uh, really cunning. No, that's not, that's not exactly accurate. I mean, it could be one of the things that a person may do when he or she is angry, but it's not what I would read as anger in the handwriting. Anger is seen in different aspects of the writing. So, okay. This so that is not it's a correct. Way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. a lot of you know like graphology is an applied science, like an applied psychology field. So it's like training to. If I want to learn how to drive a car, then I, I can't just read a manual and I Yeah, I have to, yeah, I yeah. Have to do it. it. It's a training aspect. So okay. you can't learn certain subjects from a book because you need uh, you know you need to be trained like by a trainer in that those aspects become heavily important there i get it i completely get it so now i have to unlearn whatever i've learned (laughs) i'm not analyzing anyone's handwriting for sure (laughs) yeah that that i would i would recommend not doing (laughs) yeah i'll just go i'm an expert oh so you're angry (laughs) what are you angry about (laughs) expert is you know this is uh, yeah, it's quite dangerous territory. I mean, probably I'm old school or whatever you, you know. But expert is such a big word. I mean, I don't think you can someone... be an expert in anything unless yeah, it's always scope to learn. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're always a student of something, you know. And the more time you spend with a subject, you realize how little you know about it and how exactly. much research there still remains to be done. So. Uh, and generally an expert would be somebody who has spent you know at least 10 15 years with the subject and yes you know is has you know really really gone mad about it <laughs> the other you know, so I can imagine I would trust there yeah it's like' can, it's like any of the yeah. other arts you know whether it's music or dance you know, so yes. kind of sadhana in itself so. sadhana is the right word yes yeah uh, so uh, we had a discussion before this and you told me that you were employed as well. Uh, in the branch of psychology. (laughs) So can you uh, shed a little light on that? (laughs) Yeah, actually, that's a, it's a strange trajectory in one sense because, uh, you know, for the longest time, I think even my dad was kind of uh, lost about how my career choices sort of blend into each other. Uh But um, so the thing with psychology, right, is you have a lot of options to uh, go ahead and specialize into something. And I was Mm -hmm. very... Clear that I didn't want to become a clinical psychologist or a counselor. Okay. So, but but you're doing counseling the, right now. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't do clinic. I don't do clinical psychology. I do Achso, career counseling. Oh yeah, listening. they're, they're okay, completely okay. different. Okay. So uh, towards the end of my third year of graduation, I had developed very different interests in the sense of uh, well, education policy, and this was largely coming from. My experience of the learning process at Maximila Bhavan in Gyothra Institute. Oh, where I actually a job. <laughs> and that learning process is really beautiful out there. So every time I would come to college, I would be like, this is really crazy. This is not making any sense. And this is not learning itself, you know, to begin with. <laughs> so... I was very intrigued with the process of learning and teaching and that whole thing. So education basically became a focal point for me and I got interested in everything connected to education. So that would be, you know, teaching methods, pedagogy methods, and uh, let's say curriculum development research and, you know, applying all that in the classroom context, but mm-hmm. also seeing how that was affected by, you know, external variables, which have a huge influence, like the political scenario in the country at the time. What is the, you know, how do the economics or let's say even simple things like, you know, the yearly budget that would come out, how how does that affect policy and then how does that trickle down into the classroom and affect all the other technical stuff that I just mentioned. So I was very interested in that kind of, you know, interdisciplinary uh, (laughs) study. Right. There was nothing of that sort in India at the time, you know, 2007 I didn't have a lot of options here, so I went to the UK to study that. Okay, right. So yeah, so, so how how job, long were you employed? Um, so I did two jobs, and they were about two years each. So there was there was okay. a gap in the middle, of course, because this venture was going on, and I was doing this full time. So okay. both. Both the times that I was employed, I was doing things that were that were connected to my formal education, but uh, Atman was happening on the side. So it was kind of working seven days a week for those two phases of my life, but it, it turned out pretty cool. It, it was fun because in my head, I started developing a way of blending those two domains. Oh, nice. So uh, now, since you said that everything connected, so how did you start Atman in the first place? How did it come into existence? Ah. That's actually a really funny story, you know, because I, I remember when I was studying it here in India, before I went to UK and everything, uh, <laughs> my, my dad was telling me that, you know, you should start teaching graphology. You know? And I was like, something in me just said that, no, not yet, you know, it's not the right time yet. I don't know what made me sad. Maybe I thought I, I don't know enough yet or I haven't studied it enough yet. <laughs> and that kind of that gut feeling turned out to be true because I went to UK and it was like, you know, Wow, I really don't know anything because <laughs> it, it, it was a complete eye-opening experience there. You know, I had to unlearn everything. So when I came back, actually, it was also the time when uh, the whole subprime crisis was going on in the world. So you know, markets had collapsed, and uh, finding jobs were really hard, especially for uh, you know the humanities. And I, I was someone who had done a master's in humanities, and it was really hard to find jobs at the time. So. During that whole uh, difficult unemployed phase, I just sat down and thought, okay, let's just put a course book together for graphology. If I had to teach graphology, what would I do? So mm-hmm. I started just writing it down and I made a course book. And, and a friend of mine used to run a cafe in Cothrood at the time. So I, <laughs> I made this really, really, you know, in retrospect, a really bad flyer. I mean, it was black and white and it was, it was unattractive, quite ugly, <laughs> but, I made this really, really sad flyer and I put it up in his cafe just thinking, you know, for funsies. Just try it, you know. So I put up that flyer and there was actually a girl who saw that flyer and called me. And uh, she said she was very, very, you know, serious about learning the subject. And I said, that's great. But, you know, uh, we'll need at least 3-4 people you know you yeah. have to have discussions and do workshop activities because if I'm training you then I need to do workshops with you and I need to actually mm-hmm. train you so we we'll need at least 4 people for a badge so okay. she said okay I'll, let me look for somebody you know and uh, she started looking for friends and in the meantime I went off to Bangalore to you know look, look for jobs and stuff like that and then when I came back to Pune she had found people to join her and that's how uh-huh. the first batch began. <laughs> so, so nice. <laughs> crazy. So That was uh, June 2011 I think we did it uh, just for fun. We, I remember the first batch happened in my house around the dining table and uh, mm-hmm. it was summer vacation. I used to teach in a school at the time. So it was summer vacation going on and house anyway. So I just thought, mm-hmm. okay, this will be fun. But uh, I did not anticipate it, you know, becoming uh, like snowballing and it just had a domino effect. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Unexpected. <laughs> you both, right? Like when you put your heart into it, it's always unexpected. Um, yeah, Totally. Uh, So since you're saying it's snowballing, so I hope you don't have a lot of difficulty in generating interest in the people. How did you, Um, how are you generating interest in people in this subject? Well, that's interesting. Actually, It's a good question, you know, because I feel with this kind of a subject, there is very little for me to do in terms of generating interest because people are as it is very curious about it. I mean, if you... If you have heard about graphology before, then you're curious because you're thinking, how does this thing work? You know, let me try it somewhere. I should try it somewhere. And if you've not heard of it and you happen to hear it for the first time, like, you know, when, when I go meet somebody in a social setting and they ask me, what do you do? And I tell them this, even that kind of insights a lot of curiosity. Okay. So there's a lot of curiosity for sure. Mm-hmm. Then comes the part where curiosity translates into real interest as in if somebody wants to learn it and you really pursue it Hmm. and most of the students therefore that we have are coming from you know psychology background so there are a lot of undergraduates from psychology but we also have law students and we've had HR people we've had mothers also you know mothers with 20-21 year old uh, sons and daughters you know so it it doesn't matter. (laughs) So anybody who's curious will basically come and there's the combination of curiosity plus interest. So more than the interest, actually, uh, I think what is felt more on my part is, is a big responsibility because, you know, it's a very beautiful subject and any yeah. kind of bad experience with it or malpractice with it will actually ruin it for someone. And mm-hmm. this has happened a lot, you know, with, say, any kind of other allied subjects, you know, you have a you, you have a meeting with a bad astrologer and you say, oh, astrology sucks. Or you, you go for one bad tarot reading and you'll say, oh, tarot sucks. And that's not true. You know, you, it's <laughs> not the subject, it's the practitioner. So, okay, so then I've met really amazing practitioners in <laughs> astrology. <laughs> Yeah, so it puts a lot of responsibility on the practitioner and more so if you're going to teach the subject, you know, because it's a very potent mm-hmm. subject, you know, you're, you're able to tell about people without them giving you the permission, you know, say you're Correct. standing in a bank, in a line, in a queue and you're seeing somebody write a check. I mean, they've not officially given you, you know, a permission to oh, analyze should, their idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're still doing it in your head. You can't turn off that software in your head. So <laughs> If you're able to do it without consent, then it matters what you do beyond that point, you know, so their ethics comes a lot into picture and it's like, Mm -hmm. if I'm training this subject, then I have to make this very, very clear and very uh, rigorous in training also because it's like teaching somebody martial arts, right? I mean, have you seen Kung Fu Panda? i have of course <laughs> so you remember how you know the the whole uh, disappointment shifu has is because he has trained Long very well but then he still goes rogue right i mean you can't control him yeah correct but yes. it's it's that kind of a thing we're teaching them something with which they can really really harm someone else so you have to be okay. extra extra careful and yeah. there's a lot of responsibility involved so yeah oh my god okay uh, so uh, i think it's been Around 10 years that Atman has been established, 9 to 10 years. Yeah, like we started in 2011, 2011. but officially, yeah, we got registered in 2012. Okay, okay. So uh, now do you have particular certifications or you have levels in teaching this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do have uh, beginners level to Mm -hmm. so we have a level one, level two, level three, and level four. Okay. And they're all obviously, you know, integrated with psychology because I'm still in touch with my colleagues abroad and uh, they're really great friends, you know, to sound off stuff with. And there's good guidance coming my way also when I need it. So that's, that's okay. always very helpful. But there's no official certification in the sense of a tie up with university, etc. Because we don't do that yet in India. <laughs> uh, uh, not, not to my knowledge at least. Uh, okay. The last time I knew was, I think there was some kind of a degree like this in Israel. So Achha. I'm not sure India still you know does like that unless some autonomous university wants to take that up. You know, so that's a mm-hmm. different thing. But otherwise, most institutions that are offering courses in this are autonomous private institutes. So okay. yeah. So the certificate is also an Atman certificate, and uh-huh. uh, yeah, I've I've made it very very strict in terms of you know what kind of benchmark students need to. Uh, <laughs> maintain okay. And now I think my, my team does a very good job. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, I think, kind of keeps each other in check. So that's a good thing. So it's a benefit of community. We all help each other, you know, keep up our benchmark and uh, qualities. So, yeah. Right. So, uh, since you do career counseling, um, so hmm. do you write, do you ask people to, uh, you know, write two pages and give it to you, analyze their handwriting and then give them um, some kind of analysis? And is that analysis completely based on the handwriting, or also on their body language or the cold reading of that person? Um, well, in terms of career counseling, I don't always ask for the writing. I just say that okay, you can bring it if you like because it can be a useful thing in the session. Okay. But um, so I'll I'll separate the two. I mean, if it's not a you career counseling you. session, if yes. Yeah, like if I'm just doing an analysis, So let's say Mm -hmm. when we do workshops and, you know, students are out in a cafe and they're asking someone for handwriting Mm -hmm. and uh, out there, you know, it's not necessary for you to have a person in front of you to analyze them. The only benefit that can give you, uh, you know, if if the person is in front of you is if, if you want to check certain things, like, you know, if they've made a signature and you don't know what they have included in there or you don't know. Uh, what they meant to write, or etc. You know that kind of stuff. <laughs> so you can verify certain details with them. And another thing is when you're analyzing, hmm. uh, because you're training in a workshop scenario to get better at accuracy, the benefit hmm. of having the person in front of you is that you're able to see whether your reading really lands or not. You know, um, based on the expression or the reaction. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they might make an expression and say, uh, oh, not really or something, which means, which is a cue for the student to know that, okay, so what you're interpreting is right, but it needs to be articulated in a different way because the Get behavior it. may manifest in a different way for this person. So it's a feed, it's a feedback mechanism. So in that sense, it is useful, but it, there's, I don't think there's enough time to do a cold reading on the person because you have <laughs> so much material in front of you you know, on the paper. That too, it's subconscious material. (laughs) So So you're saying that the uh, writing is more important than the cold reading. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, and this I must mention because so many people say that, oh, you just read what I wrote and I've written I love dance and then now you're telling me I love dance. So we actually never read what's written, you know, and to prove this, we actually did some, Uh, events you know in uh, different parts of the city and we ask people to write in a language that we don't understand as long as it is latin based so say you can write in Uh spanish or german or french or uh, swedish also we had a sample in swedish Uh and it was still analyzed you know the person analyzing does not know swedish so you can't possibly know what he has written okay but you still analyze the writing so you're looking at the handwriting and its shapes and formations you're not really focusing on the content or the matter of that sample Okay. It's mostly like a drawing for you. Yeah. Unless you're using it in a different context. So if this is like a criminal case and, you know, forgery scenario, etc. So the context matters, you know, context is Mm -hmm, Mm key. In that case, you might want to look at some words that the person has written because you want to match that person's, uh, you know, choice of words also shows a lot about the person's psychology. So that can be matched with your analysis and reading of the writing that is true (laughs) okay so uh, i i actually am curious about career counseling so if somebody comes to you uh yeah for career counseling what is your process how do you tell them that this is something that you can pursue is it and do you give them just one option or do you give them multiple options based on this right right so I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because it's, it's actually an area of service in Atman that is very close to my heart and this is one area where my formal education and my graphology part of my life has yes. you know, blended in well. So uh-huh. formally, when I have studied education, education policy, and then I went into public policy, et cetera, so that gives me a background of say, what's happening outside, you know, in the market, et cetera, yeah. Yeah. on a macro perspective, like what, mm-hmm. what's the job market like and what's, where are the demand curves going to be, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, so there's, there's a backdrop that I'm getting, which I will use when a student comes in for this kind of a session. Okay. And especially for students coming in for arts, because they have very little idea of what kind of options they have. And actually mm-hmm. arts and humanities is wonderful because you have a huge, you know, play field. <laughs> you can do so much if you're a arts graduate and students just don't know what their options are, which is really Exactly. Exciting. Actually, so, that is true. That is why I'm really curious about this field. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when I'm doing a career counseling session, I first, of course, ask them uh, certain questions, but uh, some very anchoring and orienting questions is what we begin with, you know, uh, <laughs> and, and then we, you know, get into conversation and then handwriting can be useful there. If you want to check, you know, whether the person's aspirations and whether the person's aptitudes are actually mm-hmm. matching, because
1: okay. there's one thing okay. to
0: want, yeah, like I want, can want something, to do something and, and be good at it also. Yes. And this is again an area where it's really messy in India because, you know, when people do aptitude uh, testing, they
1: mm-hmm. think
0: it is uh, career counseling. And most career counseling is happening in this way. So people mm-hmm. go for an aptitude test and they'll say, oh, yeah, you, you're you fit for all three streams. You can do science, arts, or commerce. I mean, but what does that mean? You know, How does that... <laughs> it doesn't narrow does it down. Right? You're still confused at the end of it. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't translate into anything tangible for the child or his parents. Correct. So it's it's not giving them any kind of a you know a idea into what options they exist for maybe maybe you could even do something that's a combination of you know science and arts you never mm-hmm. know and then you help them figure out other avenues like if you want to study in India you want to study abroad because if you're studying abroad then there's again a whole other set of skills needed by the counselor to guide them on that oh okay. So even that comes into picture because you have, you have to be really good at, uh, you know, making your application, writing your documents, Correct, correct, especially right, writing right. and writing a statement of purpose. And again, there's nothing of this sort for art students, you know, so unless you've really gone to that kind of a school where maybe you've had practice in writing, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, writing, in fact, writing as a skill itself, reading and writing as a skill is just not taught in our education system. That is you know? true. I mean they, I I don't think it's so important. It's developed anymore. At least our generation there yeah. was a certain, you know, set of people who used to yeah, a lot. yeah. But now I see it dwindling a lot. Yeah, that's very accurate because you know, we must have taken at least about a thousand odd samples from youngsters in cafes by now. And mm-hmm. I find it so amusing that it's so rare to find a handwriting sample where the youngster has not made a spelling mistake i mean welcome welcome to the autocorrect generation yeah. right? even the worst part is even in spite of having autocorrect uh, they'll submit you know assignments which have spelling mistakes in which case i you know completely delete them and i tell them i'm not accepting that so I'm very very strict about those aspects. You cannot submit that stuff to me. No. Oh, the, that is because the text also like that, right? It's D A T for that, and yeah. I don't know a lot of shortcuts which I don't understand sometimes. Uh, sometimes I feel I'm really old. I mean, texting also. Chalo, I can understand. You want to text each other that way, but there is no there is no concept of academic no, right it, it kind of becomes a part of, a part of your part of reality you know when you write i mean when you text like that that's how your brain is functioning and it gets yeah, embedded you know. in your subconscious somewhere as you said true true and plus there is no no counter check for it in, within the system which is you know asking you to maybe write a proper essay academic essay how do you write right. one what book into that uh, these things are missing so they're completely blank and new to concepts of reading and writing i mean very few hmm. youngsters read is also another sad thing but uh, yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) so for career career counseling we do do use the handwriting but uh, only where maybe uh, there's a blockage that is perceived by the child or by the student uh, that you know i want to do this but i'm not sure whether i can so there's a question between want (laughs) and can those okay. kind of blockages are there. And a lot of the time, so many things come up, you know, in in a career counseling appointment, which uh, students will just never have thought about. You know, for example, uh, this this new theme. In fact, we've been discussing a lot around, uh, you know, within Atman. So, why it is important for students to know their political leaning, for example. Oh. And this came out very nicely in one, one such case that I had, one such appointment where uh, the guy said he wants to, you know, uh, take over his family business and he would like to set up a glass factory. It was his dream to make these beautiful objects out of glass. And mm-hmm. I, I found it really interesting because no student had ever come and said that to me before. Like I mm-hmm. want to make a glass factory. I said, wow, that's really, you know, wonderful. I mean, it's a very unique kind of a thing that you want to do. And so, but then he also went on about how he wants to do social service and he cares so much about society and all of mm. that So, it is collectively came out in his appointment. So I said, okay, so I'm going to ask you one question. So let's say you've got permission to build your, uh, you know, factory. Mm, correct. And this question came in, in the session when he, when I asked him what his political orientation was and he said, I, I, I don't see how that is relevant. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how it's relevant. So for example, let's say you got permission to make your uh, glass factory and build it. But uh, the the land that you've been given permission for is uh, also right now home to a certain number of, say, tribal people. Mm. And uh, in the process of you building your factory, if you're going to uh, displace those particular hundred odd tribals, mm. so what would you do? Would you still go ahead and build your factory or would you, uh, you know, let them be or you know, not take away their home
1: correct. so
0: he thought for a while and he said uh, no i would build my factory <laughs> okay i said well, there you go so you do care about society but it's good to it's know where your priority lies <laughs> yeah. yes exactly I mean, you can care about society sure but it's good to know where your priority lies correct so at least we should be honest with ourselves there so mm-hmm. This kind of stuff also comes out in our career counselling, you know, because there's so many things about uh, our, our psychology that are playing out when we make career choices. And okay. it's not just about, you know, money or it's not just about security. There are so many aspects that we actually are, you know, subconsciously playing out while making career choices also. Oh my god, now I actually feel <laughs> that you have to you have to move inwards instead of outwards, yes. try right, to understand what you are, first <laughs> analyze what you think, how you function, uh, yes, before absolutely. you put yourself out there. I'm coming to you for totally. counseling, you <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need it, man, I mean, you're doing a great job with the podcast. Oh, thank you, that is what I wanted to hear. <laughs> 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 uh, so, uh, as we were discussing about the new gen, people have... Yeah. To typing on either their cell phones or the computer, so does that have an effect right. on the people's personality? Hmm, this is also a favorite uh, FAQ from a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I'll give you an analogy, right? I mean, just think back to uh, the time when you learned how to write. Okay, mm-hmm. you were you were basically doing three things. You were looking at the shape of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. You were using your hand to do it, and there was a sound that was connected to it. Right, okay. so there's sound, visuals, and gross motor skills, three things that are being used there. Mm -hmm. But if I'm going to type the alphabet, you know, so if I say A and type A, I -hmm. say B and then I type B, it's only Mm -hmm. the sound that is changing. Visually only the typed alphabet in front of me is coming out, but there's no gross motor skill involved. Okay. So the danger of this is that, you know, to put it very simply, handwriting is to the brain, what exercises to the body. Oh, you know, basically using your hands because you've got a lot of nerve density in your fingers and uh, which is why we're so sensitive to touch. You know, when you touch something, you can really feel it or you can really tell what it is. So if I'm blind also, when I touch somebody's face, it's, it's mm-hmm. touch that's going to give you. So there's a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, comes about through that sensation. Oh my and God. it doesn't doesn't even have to be just handwriting. I mean, just doing anything with your hands, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Like uh, A very fresh example I can give you maybe <laughs> based on the lockdown, it's like, you know, uh, recently I was uh, having a slight pain in my right hand wrist when I was doing push-ups and I, I tried doing all kinds of stretches and everything and I was chatting with my mom on the phone and she said, You know it's all this lockdown has made people go back to olden times when people's lifestyles were not very sedentary and you know uh, Mm -hmm. they just moved around a lot more and they naturally got exercise and what what is today in fact being known as uh, what non non non-exercise activity thermogenesis they're calling it you know NEAT Mm -hmm. principle so Mm -hmm. she said you know people would move around a lot more and you know the Pots and pans were not thin and slick. They were nice and heavy, you know, made of stone yes. and whatnot. So you would yes. get a lot of workout just, you know, even atta gonnne bhi bhoat. <laughs> <bhi> workout. <laughs> hota. Realized, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I realized she had a point because the reason my wrist pain kind of uh, subsided was because I was <laughs> making dough every day for <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Like, man, she has a point, Yeah. <laughs> That's right. so it's actually true you know so it's using your body parts using your hands you know your hands are meant to do a lot of things you know uh, you may there, they're there for building stuff they're there for feeling touching sensing creating lots of things you know and uh, all your gross motor skills are going to come from your hands <laughs> you know all your brain space is also uh, there in your hand so the nerve density Can be seen in something called the cortical homunculus, etc. You know, you can Google that if you like. But okay, uh, so there's a lot of nerve density in your hand. So if you replace that with typing, you're basically giving up a lot of natural development. So there are some studies that did come about, uh, you know, which says that you could uh, see a reduction in you know possibility of developing Alzheimer's and dementia, etc. If you write more often. Oh. And wow. basically it's also connected to your memory, right? I mean, you remember something Things more when you write it down. Yeah. Yes. I mean, just think of a reminder app versus a post-it note, right? I mean, you put something uh, on your fridge, right? Like a reminder. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you remember that thing, It's not just the thing you remember. You remember the color of the post-it. You remember at what angle you put it on the fridge. What what did your kitchen smell like probably when you did put it up? And (laughs) what state of mind were you in? What else were you doing when you put that up? Etc. So there's so much memory connected to it. (laughs) Foregoing your sensations is not exactly going to get us anywhere. So... It's not. It's not a very nice idea. <laughs> to I mean, typing is fine. I mean, there's no there's no harm typing. I mean, I love typing. If I'm taking fast notes, I'm always typing. But okay. I, I don't go through a single day without writing down. You know? And there's so many books also which have mentioned this. Like I was reading uh, one book some years ago called Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. Or mm-hmm. so even she has mentioned this. You know, even the best of the best do roam around with a small pen and a notepad. You know? <laughs> so whether it's Zuckerberg or it was Bill Gates, I mean you know people carry a pen and paper either way okay i'm going to write more now because i like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because as you said it's very easy and fast to type yeah Uh, Yeah. and it's a lot more effort to write but yeah i also agree with the fact that when you write something it kind of uh, connects to your memory and you remember more and it has more uh, i don't know how to put it in words it has feel right i mean just think of an email versus yeah, when someone writes you a handwritten letter, it's so beautiful, right? You have yeah. such a nice, uh, like there's so much warmth in there because you can feel that person, you you know the person and that comes through in their handwriting, in their particular and specific handwriting. That is true. That is so, so true. It's almost it's like meeting the person even when you're away from them. So I love letters, you know, handwritten letters are beautiful. I'm going to send you one. <laughs> <laughs> that I would give be fun in person after the lockdown is over. That would be fun. You should write letters though. <laughs> just because you asked me to write, I'm writing. <laughs> yeah, that is how pretty much people write their samples because we tell them you can't write poems, you can't write lyrics of songs because it doesn't really occupy the whole page, and you know there are things you have to analyze in there. So. Don't write poems, don't write uh, lyrics of songs, just write anything, man, like any crap will do. Like what you did yesterday is fine. <laughs> so, oh, of course, yeah, the emotion has just... to come out, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you, <laughs> if you, you write writing lyrics of songs, think. I don't think there is emotion involved in that. Yeah someone will be like as you know basic and mundane as i'm you know sitting here in my room namita is making me write and i don't like writing (laughs) (laughs) and somebody may write something very very you know intellectual about you know their existential crisis and what so you get all kinds (laughs) (laughs) that's wonderful so i have this one more query which uh, i would like to add Uh, can you analyze a doctor's handwriting (laughs) This is another favorite favorite FAQ, you know, everyone asks this, you know. It is, um, you know, I feel bad for doctors, yeah, because they've got this reputation now. Because I, I have known some doctors who have really beautiful writing also. But okay. um, it's, it's again, just a matter of frequency. So, if you are going to, you know, sign, say, 100 checks a day, or if you're going to sign, if you're at a very high post in, in the government, for example, and you have to sign... 300 appointment letters for, you know, let's say civil services or something, Mm -hmm. then you're going to actually have to sign them by hand, you know, 300 appointment letters, 300 placement letters. And that's a lot of signing, you know, so it's quite likely that, that the fact you have to sign 300 times that alone can have a, you know, impact on how the signature comes out, because it's obviously Mm -hmm. not going to be exactly same all 300 times. Mm So the same can happen for someone who is a doctor and is maybe seeing some, you know, say 30-40 patients a day and you have to sign 30-40 times or maybe more also. So it's kind of understandable where the illegibility of their writing comes from, but uh, they may not necessarily write that way if you maybe ask them for a handwriting sample. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, that's also there and then there are of course doctors who do you know write very beautifully and uh, they have perfectly legible writing
1: <laughs> now anyway
0: you have to <laughs> type out the prescription so that's solved for us yes actually so, like, yeah no but i'm going to test it i think out. i have a doctor yeah. friend i'm going to ask her to write <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely and if, if you fail this you should just find the pharmacy closest to your house they'll be able to do it <laughs> Okay, I'll do that. Um, So, um, okay, I'm going to ask you this question. So, what is the scope of anthropology as a profession? Um, And are you called in for handwriting analysis by the FBI, like they show in the (laughs) book? Oh, um, that would be quite the experience. I mean, when I was a kid, that would be very cool. In fact, when I was a kid, I, I really wanted to work for the f It was like this really crazy dream I had, but uh, I grew up and realized, oh, you need to be an American citizen for that. So, that was quite, quite the party pooper. But, but you know, it's, it's like in the movies and series, since you mentioned, because I see this play out with a lot of youngsters today also, that they will make career choices based on the series they are watching, like they want yes. to become a lawyer because they are influenced by Harvey Specter or they want oh, yeah. <laughs> to become a doctor because, you know, like Grey's Anatomy or How's M.D. or whatever. So <laughs> it's, it's quite uh, disturbing on some level when you have those kind of cases and they want to become a doctor or whatever because they have seen it in a movie or a series and you're like, Mm -hmm. It's a notion and it's very strange illusion they are operating on and you need to ask them, you know, where it's coming from. So uh, graphology is that kind of a profession where it's not, you know, I I doubt it has ever been portrayed in a a movie or a series for that, but probably a bit in Sherlock, you know, I remember there was a scene where Sherlock does Uh analyze Moriarty's writing. So it's something you can use as a value added skill. Alongside what you're doing, you know, to make it into a profession, there's no carved out industry for it. So it's not like you, you know, you're a doctor or you're an engineer or you're a teacher or whatever. It's not an industry in itself, but it is a very, very important value added skill that you can use in whichever industry you are. So right. let's say, if, if I'm a teacher, I, I find graphology very useful because it used to help me, uh, you know, gauge the student's state of mind that day when he or she came into class. You know, I could hmm. tell from the writing whether they've not slept enough or they've had a fight at home or, you know, so hmm. that helps me tailor my method of teaching the child right. in that moment. Okay. You know, and knowing when to push and when not to push the child. Hmm. So there it is useful. If I'm an HR uh of course it's useful very directly for me or even if i'm a general team leader in a you know corporate company it helps me know what my teammates are like and which one has what kind of strengths you know so i can allocate my resources more effectively basically Hmm. so it's useful for a leader for parents it's again useful because you see how your child is developing and I think parents should also be prepared for a lot of uh, shocks because you will get to know a lot about yourself when you see your child's writing. Oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because ultimately they're perceiving you as a parent. So it's also going to have some, you know, parts in there which will have huge scope for course correction for parents, you know, like, yeah. So that's, it's not exactly pleasant, but it's very effective. So anybody can use it in whatever profession they are in. Mm-hmm. So nobody can actually, you know, think that oh, I'm going to grow up and become a graphologist because it's not, it's just not that kind of a industry. You know? mm, yes. It's used on a case to case basis and people who even come in. So even if I think of my venture, mm. then... Training is the biggest service right now and most people who are coming in are coming in to learn the subject and how they use it is completely up to them. Maybe they're doing it because it's a value-added skill for whatever they are studying in college or or Mm -hmm. for for law, for example, it is a very tangible value-added skill because then you don't need need to pay a consultant later on, you know, if if you Mm -hmm. have those kind of cases. If you're a lawyer, then it it really helps you to learn something of that sort. Correct. Or even for HR, for example. So, yeah, depending on Whichever profession. So, it's not that kind of a profession and you can say that I'm going to, uh, you know, do this full-time. Because it is, it's not exactly, you know, the secure path. So, when you're thinking of career, there are always two two options we have. There's the secure path and there's the path that you need to cover on your own. And hmm. it's not to say that, you know, you can't do both. Because it's like that really nice talk I heard uh, some years ago by Abhishek Matthew yeah work for the about, kitchen one uh, for the soul yeah yeah that's a really that good one it. yes it is so it's, it's, it's a very nice approach because a lot of youngsters today also get into that mindset you know like oh i'm going to quit everything and i'm going to do my own startup and that yeah. you no know, it's it's uh, it's it's difficult it's not impossible but it's difficult yeah it's endearing but it's not always pragmatic yeah you know so you need to have Uh, some testing period gone by in the middle. So even for for Atman, for example, I started doing it on weekends as a hobby activity. I had not quit my job fully. And Mm -hmm. when it started rolling and I saw that, okay, this is, you know, something more than I thought would would be just a hobby. Then Mm -hmm. I started investing. I quit the job and I put all my time and energy into that. And somewhere along that course of time, I also did a second master's and then there was a job after that. Correct. But, Atman kept going because when you put up your own venture, it's like having a child of your own. Hmm. You can't abandon your baby. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is true. That is, it's a very different thing. And you have to do both, you know, play it by ear and see what phase of life requires what from you. And at some point you'll reach that stage where you'll be like, okay, now this can be done full time and all your time and energy will go into it. Mm So. It's not something I would recommend to somebody as an actual career choice. It's something Mm -hmm. you can do on the side and then how much study and, you know, sadhana, like we said, you have with the subject, that will dictate further, you know, how far you go with it. Correct. So anything you do, sadhana is very important. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Anything you do, like whether it's dance, drawing, painting, doesn't matter, music. Any kind of thing require, that requires expertise is always about sadhana, and it's about doing something without expectation. It's Correct. quite ironical, but it's true. The thing that you do with the least amount of expectation is what gives you the highest rewards. Yes, as we were told when we were kids, <laughs> Wow, it sounds so philosophical. <laughs> yeah, and that's a that's a tough thing for the students to do now because you're also just getting out of college and you have to establish yourself. So. It's plus, the, plus, we live in a world is, of instant gratification nowadays, right? Yeah, yeah. Everything so, is it's quick. understandable, you know. Hmm. It's understandable where they're coming from. So, both things are important because you have to take care of your stomach also and then you can think of what fulfills your soul and, you know, eventually yes. it will merge at some point. But one thing students need to be told all the time is patience, patience and patience. That is true. That is right. absolutely true. I mean, it's something we we have to keep learning. I mean, I still learn so much about patients every day, and you have to keep <laughs> digging deeper every day. When you think you're over, you know, and you can't find any more patients, that's when you have to dig deeper. It's something very oh, nice okay. my friend told me once. <laughs> i try so. that. i try writing, i try sadhana, <laughs> and i try digging deeper. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so yeah, be... okay. Yeah, I'm sorry I cut you off. Yeah, so... Movies and FBI, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) it's not yet, not the FBI, but I've had uh, some similar experience in terms of consultancy and also it really depends on, uh, you know, case-to-case basis and these kind of professions operate on word of mouth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how much you've been studying and what kind of work you have proven already in the field will dictate what kind of cases you get. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Wow. That's really interesting. So, coming to the most scariest question, <laughs> what does your? <laughs> oh my God, that's yeah. a big one. <laughs> Definition of settled. Ooh. Yes. Um, you know, uh, people always try to define this for you from Get the it. outside, and I have always found it extremely annoying. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody else can tell you what settled means for you. It has. It's a very personal thing you know for every person Mm -hmm. so for me I think settled is just when you're completely at peace with who you are and where you are in your life that's fine that's good Mm -hmm. enough right it's it's you know stripping all the roles and narratives that we have playing in our head that oh you know Namita has to become that Namita has to do this and (laughs) achieve that and no you don't you don't need to do any of that you know you need to do what is set out for you and meant for you. you know it's following your own dharma so just right. do what you have to do you know and keep doing it that's what matters the most so yeah <laughs> i'm so glad uh so i think we are at the end of our discussion thank you so much it was uh, <laughs> I, it was so interesting i learned so much about graphology i learned uh, a lot about you know people's behavior and I learned that whatever I have learned in graphology is useless and baseless. <laughs> so I have to come to you to get proper training. <laughs> and also, you can join us. We, we, are, we are a fun bunch. We do a lot of musty. Dude, I'm actually interested. After listening to all this, I'm intrigued. Now I I, I want to know what uh, <laughs> other parts of psychology that you were talking about that's taboo right now on the podcast. Uh, and if you want to <laughs> learn more about it, you should definitely go check out Atman. And, uh, yes tell the listeners about Atman a little bit uh, about your yeah. website and everything and the courses. Yeah, I think for more information, I think people can visit our website. It's www.atmangraphology.com and we're also active on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. So you can look us up there. You'll find okay. all the info there. Is there a distance course or it is just uh, in person? Right? We do. We do offer distance courses, but uh, most of them have happened uh, in person itself because a lot of Mumbaikers, if they're inquiring, they prefer to travel down and they're super enthusiastic people, man. Wow. Like nothing can ever stop Mumbaikers. You know, no, their spirit can. is something else only. <laughs> so they will travel all the way and come down for the classes also. So a lot of Mumbai crowd, uh, they come down, but uh, we do offer distance courses. If you're somewhere else, maybe in Delhi or Bangalore, any other place in India, Mm -hmm. Uh, we can do online classes for you Uh, we have a very well trained team that takes care of that so yeah okay so thank you thank you Namita for coming on the podcast I had such a blast talking to you and uh, I hope your listeners have something to take away and uh, if they want to check out I will be definitely adding all the links in the description
1: and I
0: hope you go and check them out thank you so much thank you for your time Thank you.